This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and joining me today, after a year away, Eno Saris of The Athletic. Eno, good evening. How are you? I'm doing good. Just came back from workout day at the Coliseum, so I talked to Charlie Morton and Tommy Pham and Marcus Simeon, and it was a good day. It's fun to talk to players. Who was the most fun to talk to today? Uh, who was the most fun? Charlie Morton gave me a great answer that sort of lined, sort of laid out to me how he's kind of been at the forefront of pitch design and, and at the forefront of pitching analytics uh, himself. Not necessarily him doing the research or anything, but he, he's been at the forefront of it because he was with Ray Searage in Pittsburgh. And Ray Searage is, the, is a legendary pitching coach out there that you know, uh, at some point was, was thought of to be the sort of pitching whisperer. And then he left there and he came out to, to Houston, who's now thought of as, you know, the Astros or the juggernaut of player development. Um, and now he's with the Rays who have their own brand of, of smarts, you would say. So he kind of laid out some of, gave, gave a little bit of insight into, uh, what that, that trip was like for him. And, uh, he's always such a thoughtful player that I enjoy. I enjoy speaking to him a lot. He's on my list. So, like, uh, I have a, a show sheet, and Charlie Morton is priority number one. He was a no-brainer for the wild card game for the Rays. the The A's were going back and forth on Fears and Maeda, and they went with Maeda. It looks like so they're going with the lefty, which will bring me to a Yanny Diaz question that I'll get to in a second. But, um just from talking with him today and talk and just what you've seen from him this year, why do you think Charlie Morton has had his best statistical season this year in Tampa Bay? What's changed? Well, I, I was surprised. I, the, one of the things I did mention in the, in the pieces in the question to him was that I think I've noticed that he's throwing a slider more now and um, he's throwing a slider more now and uh, his splitter has gotten better. So I think that's partially, uh, you know, why the on the results, uh, the results on the field have been great. And then I think that uh, on top of that, um, you know, I think the Rays have been good at keeping him healthy. I mean, just keeping him on the field has been uh, a thing in the past, and and they've done a great job at that. So I know that one of the guys that used to work in Tampa, Josh Kalk, who now works in, in Minnesota. You know, one of the last things he did publicly before he went, uh, you know, behind the curtain and, and worked for Tampa was that uh, an injury predictor, uh, a thing that could spot if a pitcher was hurt just by looking at his on the field results, just looking at his uh, pitch movement and velocities and his release points. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa had a couple of early warning uh, techniques that uh, allowed them to take pitchers out before they got hurt. Hmm. That's that's interesting. And I mean, we basically have Moneyball East versus Moneyball West in this wild card game, and it's going to be interesting to see how both of these teams operate on that front. But it, I um, I don't know if it matters. But Morton has a two point nine seven ERA over thirty nine innings pitched and seven starts against the A's over the past three years. Um, does any of that matter right now? Do you look at anything like that when you're looking at how pitchers are going to fare against certain lineups and certain teams? Um, I I just I wonder how long he goes in this game. There was uh, so, there was actually a question posed to Morton about you know how how valuable it was to have had good games against the A's in the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know w- you know what it meant to have had big postseason games. And he did say it helps, uh, but he wasn't, uh, he didn't, he wasn't sort of, uh, he wasn't going to say anything like, uh, you know, I've got their number or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, experience can help in, in just that, you know, you're not surprised by anything. And you, you, I think about this way, I was just talking to the to, to fan about this too, is just that. I, I participated in a psychology study in, in college where uh, we actually found that uh, people were slightly happier as they got older. And one of the reasons they, hmm. they were happy as they got older uh, was because they developed what we might call coping mechanisms. And you might, you might think of, oh, a coping mechanism, that sounds like, you know, like something to look down on. But they can be as simple as, I'm going to take it, I don't feel great, I'm going to go jog. I don't think there's anything wrong with jogging to because it makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe there's something wrong with eating a tub of ice cream because you feel bad. But really, these things, no matter what they are, they make us feel better and we, they allow us to regulate ourselves. And so I think that uh, having big game experience and having you know some success against a team can just allow you to regulate yourself so you don't get too up or too down or too nuts about this game. You just say, you know what? I've been here before. I've done this. I'm going to go eat my tub of ice cream uh, and be ready for the game. Which offense do you trust more right now, the Rays or the A's? Ultimately, I trust the A's offense more. Hmm. The reason is uh, I looked at uh, past uh, winners in the postseason, and uh, strikeout rate is important. And the Rays strike out more than the A's. It's not maybe what you would have expected to be before you looked in the numbers, but yeah. the, the A's strike out less than the Rays and the A's have more power. And both of those right. things have proven to be useful in the postseason. So um, I know that the Rays had this fun thing going where they seem to have a lot of uh, interlocking players and they can kind of cobble together, you know, a great third baseman out of two half third baseman, that sort of deal. Um, but uh, when it comes to one game, I'd rather have Matt Olson and Matt Chapman and Ramon Laureano. Um, you know, as great as Tommy is, um, I don't think that they uh, that they have that same firepower. It is interesting that the A's are top five in homers this season when they play in the Coliseum, right? Because the Coliseum is traditionally just not a hitter-friendly, home-run-friendly ballpark. I, why do you think it is that they're able to overcome um, a pitcher's park to just be a dinger-heavy ball club? They definitely have focused on power in the past. 
I mean, in this in this current iteration, they focus on power even more than OVP. I have a piece on the Athletic uh, about that today, um, and I think that uh, one of the things is not only is it the type of players they target. So they they went and got Ramon Laureano, even though uh, Laureano does have decent plate discipline. His power is is a better feature for him than it is, than the plate discipline. They went and got Chris Davis because he can hit the ball really hard, and that's. That's a, you know he's, he can get on base, but it's more important that he can hit the ball hard. So they went and got players that hit the ball really hard. But then on top of that, they've been uh, reducing the amount of ground balls they've hit since before the Statcast era. So if you look back, you know as much as seven, eight, nine years, they have the lowest ground ball rate in in baseball. And uh, if you look at it in the Statcast era, they have the highest launch angle in the Statcast era. So there's a, a confluence of sort of player scouting, player acquisition, player development, and coaching that all comes together. They just want to lift the ball and hit it hard. And you're right to, to mention the Coliseum. It's one of the coldest three parks in, in the big leagues. And, and temperature matters a whole lot for how far the ball flies. Mm-hmm. But if you, get, if you get hitters to hit the ball hard and you teach them to hit the ball in the air uh, even more, uh, and then you're going to hit a bunch of homers anyway. It's interesting. And hey, you know, kudos to them. It's getting them close to 100 wins back to back seasons. Um, they were here last year. Um, do you, It sounds like you definitely feel better about this team more so this year than last year. And it's also interesting because Chris Davis has um, fallen off a cliff. C- can you explain what happened with Chris Davis this year? Do you think it's a, a blip or do you think it's over? Do you think it was like a Jose Ramirez first couple months type deal that just went on into the full season? Like what? I mean, is there even a possibility he gets benched for today and he does or for tomorrow and he doesn't play? Um, I, I just there's a lot well, of questions the, there. Yeah, the manager uh, got that last one for you. Said he's definitely in the lineup tomorrow. He so. is definitely in the lineup now. Okay, definitely in the lineup. But uh, one thing that I would just say is that I think it is injury. I think it's injury. Uh, he had a hip injury, you know, uh, during the season and. Um, you know, he was on the DL for a little bit, and I think, you know, I don't know if he'd admit to it, but coming back, uh, I saw some changes in his, me- in his mechanics, and I, and I just felt like maybe he was doing that to deal with uh, the the hip, uh, the, the hip and oblique. I think he had two injuries, so uh, I think he was just trying to find something that didn't feel bad uh, for a while. And if that's the case, then it's actually pretty hopeful because in the last couple of weeks, he's starting to hit the ball harder. Uh, and that would be that would represent more time away from the injury and more recovery time. So um, hopefully it was injury and he's on the right track now. I read an interesting piece on Diaz Bay about Diaz, who came back and you've already spoke about spoke about this a little bit. Is just the the Rays medical staff has been just exceptional in 2019, and Diaz is back and he hit really well down the stretch, and suddenly it's like oh he might be a significant factor for this race team in the playoffs so they can advance past this game um do we know if he uh, he might start at leadoff for this game yet do we know because maeda is going to be the pitcher so now it does seem like it's a possibility that they will start him at leadoff is that is that something you would do and is that something that you think that they will do um shamanaya uh will will start uh like you're saying and he's a lefty uh, and so they may play games like that, but the problem is that this is a wild card game that's a winner take all that's going to get into the bullpen very early. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you make too many uh, of your decisions based on the starting pitcher, uh, that may become irrelevant quickly. So what would you do? Would you, would you start him at leadoff or would you not? Um, I, I think, it, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think that neither one of these teams emphasizes stolen bases. And so it's not necessarily about speed. It's just about getting on base. Hmm. So your final prediction, how do you think this goes? You, you, it sounds like you have the A's winning this game. I do have the A's running it. I think it's scoreless, uh, through three or four. Um, and then, uh, you know, Matt Olson or Matt Chapman uh, take one of the uh, earlier relievers deep. Okay. Okay. I, they've got in the two mats, they have a lefty and a righty. So, uh, you know, whichever one has the platoon advantage. There's my, there's my prediction. So they're not going the way of the pirates during their pseudo contention window, just get into the wild card game and then losing after these surprisingly good seasons and just not, uh, not able to. Break oh, their- it's, it's possible. One of the things that's happened over a while, uh, the last few years, is that the relationship between spending and winning has tightened. And so, uh, you know, I, I think there's various reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is that uh, teams are catching up with each other in terms of tactics, in terms of scouting. Um, in terms of, you know, there used to be that, you know, the A's could go into Latin America and get, you know, Cespedes. Um, you know, and get him before people realize that, you know, all these Cuban players are worth all this money. Now, Cuba's so overmined that people are actually spending too much money on, on some of those players. And then, um, you know, it used to be that you could try something like an opener in Tampa and, and, and use a reliever at the beginning and everyone would call you crazy, but then the Yankees just did it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the Yankees are like, Hey, that looks like a good idea. And we want to win games too. So. Let's just do it too. Um, so when you have the big teams being willing to try even the crazy things that the small teams try, um, the thing that separates you is spending. And one of the ways that spending separates you is not only stars, but depth. And so one injury uh, can really derail a, like if, for example, if Morton was injured or something, um, you know, you could have, you could have that derailing you. So um uh for the raise so uh you know i think that uh you know it is hard for the smaller markets to to go far into these uh into these playoffs and and uh i doubt that i'm definitely not picking the age of the astros uh even if they win the wild card game i'm definitely not picking mike fears against the astros in uh one of those games <laughs> if that happens no, I mean, uh, it's just tough to, 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 I think the Astros this year are probably the largest favorite in the postseason of, uh, that I can remember. It's, um, when you get things like Jordan Alvarez who just turn into superstars right off the bat and I, it just, their pipeline is, it's not fair. And then trading for Zach Greinke and everything, it, they're just not a fair team. And the only, the only hope is, for other teams is to to develop player development pipelines as good as theirs, right? You know, and I've talked to teams that don't have any money, and they say, "Well, we're, we can't don't have the money to put into player development." I say, "So what are you doing?" And one of them told me, "Oh, we just watched the Astros. We saw that their hitters all you know set up a certain way, so we told our hitters to set up that way." Oh God! Can yeah, you say which team exactly this was? What I thought. 
No, I don't. Oh know. my god, I I have some theories, <laughs> but I oh, it's a cheap team. I'll tell you that. Oh, I I, I I'm I, I would definitely guess that one. Um, oh man, <laughs> God, I, I have some ideas on that. Um, so Nats Brewers tonight. Um, I will confess, I'm annoyed that the Brewers made the playoffs and won 18 of 23 to make the playoffs without Christian Yelich because I just. There would be nothing more just fun and satisfying than Bryce Harper versus the Nationals in a wild card game. That's all I wanted. I just wanted Nationals Phillies and a wild card bloodbath. One of them has to win. It would have been great. Just the just the the crowd. They'd have to bleep so much out of the crowd. Yes, it would have been so much fun. Like that's what I wanted. I'm I'm gonna guess Rob Manfred did not want Milwaukee, Tampa, and Oakland in three of the four markets for this uh, wild card round. But I, I'm i just, I'm not excited about the Brewers. I'm not excited that Woodruff's going to pitch like one or two innings and then we're going to just get 19 different relievers um, for the Brewers. And then the Nationals are playing a completely different game where they're like, let's just do Scherzer for as long as we can. Then we'll put in Strasburg and then we'll put in Corbin maybe. And we're just going to see three of their aces just do everything they can. Does it count as a playoff series win? If they win this, do the Nationals raise the banner if they win this game? Uh, you know, I think they they should be happy, man. They want a postseason game. I don't know if it. What is it? Kind of a series. series. The wild card is is uh, just even within sort of nuts and bolts, like the 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 local press, the local PR uh, does the seating uh, for the wild card race, like the where we sit in the press box. Where you know, uh, for every other series, MLB takes it over pretty much. So there's, you know, there is a difference between the wild card game and the other series, but um, I, 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 they all want to win it, and uh, it, it's uh, also good that they got you this far. I mean, I think the Brewers could uh, easily have folded, and 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 you know, that does say Which something. Which is what they should yeah, have done. A lot of relievers in the two wild card games. <laughs> Both of them will, will, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, I would say that my prediction for number of relievers seen in the two games uh, is something like. 23 plus oh god oh god <laughs> this is um yeah this I would is say, not and great. actually i think we easily clear 25 so 25 relievers and imagine if you're announcing that game that means you need to each of these games you need to know you need to have something to say on the air about you know 12 relievers <sighs> this is not good i'm already you're discouraging me from like watching this whole game tonight <laughs> Oh, it'll be exciting though. I mean, it's kind of a cool thing that didn't exist in baseball for a long time. The one one game winner take all is kind of amazing. I mean, I love the wild card game. I'm glad it's instituted. I I think it's fun, and I love the tension, and I love just the just how brutal it is for the loser. Like, I love that you base. It doesn't feel oh, like it you, is so bad. Like, yeah. that's it. You don't even get you don't even get another try. It's crazy. I like it. Um. But that also just adds more um, intrigue to the regular season and winning your division. So you can avoid stuff like that. Um, Adam Eaton said, it's basically like we're starting in the sixth inning with our pitching staff. There's nothing we can do to prepare for that. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's it's intense. And it is... um, it is kind of sad that uh, you you get this. You can be celebrating that you got into the postseason one day, uh, and then the next day there's nothing left for you, you know. Uh, but and then, and then like playing in it, um, 
you know, just being ready to, to see relievers in the third inning. That's one reason I'll pick the, the Brewers, actually. I think I actually picked the Nationals, but I could see the Brewers winning because, um, you know, if they unless the National starter goes six or seven, I looked at the Nationals bullpen, and they had three above-average relievers by strikeouts on a swag. I don't think they're going to play a reliever, though. Are we sure yeah. we're going to see a reliever? It, it may not. You're right. But, but I mean, are you really going to go, you know, uh, you're going to take Strasburg in relief? Yes. I think just I think, to get the win, yeah. and I think that's what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, to get the win, and then figure out the next yes. series next time. There are though all these baked in uh, rest days that 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 that's help you pull that sort of stuff. And we just saw the Red Sox pull it off, right? Yeah, I I don't think we'll see anybody but their big three. I really don't. Which will be cool. Like I think it's going to be cool to see Patrick Corbin in the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to try and Madison Bumgarner. Yes, I mean that's what I would do. I would be like, I am not leaving anything up for our bullpen, which means they they're gonna have issues past this round but i i think just to get this win there is no way in hell i'm pitching anyone other than scherzer corbin or strasburg through i might have to revise my my reliever number down then that's gonna put a dent in it but uh no i think i think you got it right i think that's the way to to approach it i just i just sort of doubted it i guess um they're gonna pick one guy to to start game two and everybody else is pitching tonight yes that, uh, start the, game uh, potential game one of, of the next series yeah. worst case scenario they can just call ross detweiler and see if he can do a spot start in game one <laughs> <laughs> i thought he was on a different team is he what's going on with ross yeah, detweiler I think he's on the white Sox. i think he's on the white Sox. <laughs> they can do it anyway <laughs> well they can lucas giolito they're they're long lost oh love. he ended up being really good though and that's not his fault like he had a re- there was a really good piece in the in the post over the summer about him and he was honest about it. He's like, I, I understand why they traded me. They were in win now mode and I sucked. Had a seven point whatever ERA. They couldn't wait on me to figure it out. They just couldn't keep throwing me out there. And when you have like Scherzer, Strasburg, and everybody else, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's young and could be a superstar, but he might not. And he might just implode our, our whole team and we're trying trying to win a championship. And this guy's just not ready. He needs to go somewhere else oh, and just be awful. I, I like the trade at the time. Yeah. You know? Eaton is not a spectacular, you know, sort of star that, that people think. But, I, you know, when I saw uh, Ronaldo Lopez and Gilotto, when I saw their stuff in the big league, um, you know, they, their fastballs had straightened out and they weren't, they weren't high spin guys. And, you know, a lot of the things were missing that you kind of looked for in, in young pitchers. But uh, kudos to Gilotto for turning around. Definitely uh, changed his arm path back to where it used to be um and, and found his old stuff again so that's uh that's not something that's easy to do and it required uh he said actually the, the most important thing for him was not necessarily all the mechanical stuff although that's how he got better it was kind of being like holy crap like my career is disappearing like i need to i need to do something yeah um it's it's cool to see and i'm glad it's worked out because the white Sox just making great strides in the al central Great stuff there. Um, but all those trades that the Nationals pulled off over the years, even though it put together a really good squad, it hurts you in depth, yeah. you know, eventually. And Felipe Vasquez was a National at one point. And I know that he's in persona non grata for... I was going to say, well... <laughs> it's not the greatest name to have come to my head right now. <laughs> but 
it's still an example of a good reliever. They traded away. God, I wish I had that sentence back. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, they've traded away a lot of good arms that could be helping them in the bullpen right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, bullpen Other stuff. Guys. I don't get onto teams about messing up bullpen trades. Like, it's just, that's just so hard to hit. Like, it's just, in year over year, I, I don't, I'm not going to be mad about any of my teams messing up bullpen trades. Like, that's it's whatever. true. The only thing that you can get mad at it's, is, like, what the Red Sox did, yeah. which is lose guys and then just say, fuck it. We'll just run with it, what we have right now. That is, that that's, a, yeah. that's inexcusable. I would generally say, like, the thing that makes me mad is not trying. And I think that's... Mm-hmm. that's qualifies as not trying to, to put together a bullpen um and and like you know i feel like most teams should just have all their like catchers that are almost out of options all line up and 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 throw in front of the gun you mm-hmm. know uh in case there's a kenley jansen in there there you go uh they should you know what i mean like they should have you know all their infielders who are about to be released you know at least throw in front of the gun once i mean you find relievers anywhere if you try so uh, most of these most of these good teams are, are doing that thing. I heard that the Dodgers at some point just had a tryout where they had a bunch of non-roster invitees come in, throw in front of the track man, and anybody with an above-average spin rate got to stay, and everyone else was thanks for their time. Huh. What I would do is just because so many of these young arms don't work out anyway, and it's just so hard to like what happened with the Mets, it's just almost impossible. And like the Yankees have not been able to develop a starting pitcher in twenty plus years now. Feels like there's mm. it, it's it's tough. It's really hard. It's easy to develop, I think, skill position guys. And the Braves are doing it. The Astros oh. are doing it. I think it's significantly easier to do that than young starting pitching. And what I would do is, you know, not all these guys are going to do. And this is what drove me nuts about Braves fans um, the last couple of years about like their arms and just all these different guys and Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright and Colby Allard, who's not even Don't on the team trade anymore. Them away. Yeah. You just go up and down the list. And they're like, just so much talent. Like they're, they're going to be stocked and loaded in 2021. Like most of these guys aren't going to pan out. Most Kyle Wright was in the rotation to start the season. Like there's just most of this stuff does not work out. I mean, Luis Gohara was like a la- like just a, a, fr- a, a flyer for the the angels at the end of the season like it's mike Fultonavich is bad now what i'm hearing is and i think this is brilliant actually is put these guys in the pen earlier yes that's what i'm suggesting put these guys in the pen earlier and if they are so good that it's obvious they can start it'll like carlos carrasco right yes put him in the pen he actually got better in the pen and then it was so obvious that he had three plus pitches that you're like, okay, like we're going to stretch you out. Or it becomes obvious they don't have three plus pitches and you, you just have a good reliever. In the Sean meantime, Newcomb. you have one of the best bullpens in, in the league over and over again because you just keep stocking your bullpen. Uh, and if you have any money at all, one thing I noticed is that starting pitchers, you know, there are older starting pitchers that are good. If you yes. look at the best starting pitchers right now, a lot of them are over 30. And Max Scherzer's you know, so th- mid thirties. Yeah, yeah. Verlander is doing this into his late thirties. So what you could like, they as much as people have said that it's a bad investment to to spend on starting pitching and to give these guys all that money. Modern pitching, mostly, if you lose them, you lose them for a year. So what? Yeah, that's the bad year. Okay, that's the bad year. You get a good draft pick out of the year, whatever it is, or 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 you deal without that pitcher for a year. 
But if you have if you have two or three star guys that you've signed, like that's what the Yankees are doing, right? Smart teams they're are going doing and it. getting other people's. They're they're going and getting other people's starting pitchers that have have shown themselves to be starting pitchers. And the Yankees had the best bullpen in the league, like two years out of three. The Yankees are about to do it again. Idea. They're about to go get Garrett Cole. They're like, great job developing him, uh, Astros and Pirates. We're going to go ahead and get him for the remainder of the prime years. <laughs> oh my God! Whoever gets Garrett Cole, I kind of want him to go to the Angels because okay. I want Trout to win someday. Yeah, and I feel like uh, Trout, you know, Cole and Otani at the top of that uh, that rotation, and Trout and Otani in the. I think that could be a really exciting team. So, you know, what, Cole pushes everybody down the rung and makes it better. I think that would be kind of fun. Is there any way we can get Bobby Valentine and Brad Osmus to be co-manager somewhere? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a TV show. Like, there's got to be something with both of those two behind the scenes that I just want to tell all book for both of them. Because Brad Osmus getting canned after one year in um, Los Angeles than the Valentine experience in Boston, which I've heard horror stories about um, from reporters covering that team at the time. I just, I want them to be co-managers somewhere because there's something about those two that just must be horrendous behind the scenes for uh, a baseball team, not just, and just the, the reporters and everything. Like I, I, I feel like that went under the radar a little bit too much that Brad Osmus just immediately gone and they're already getting ready for yeah. Joe Madden. Yeah, I wonder what it is. I mean, with Valentine, my guess is that it's a little bit about like he's the show um, because he—that's how he kind of—that's how he comes across at least, you know, on, in his media experiences, right? Like he he goes on TV a lot, you know what I mean? Like he's he's on TV now, so I feel like I could see something where like he's the show and he's who's most important, and he kind of forgets team concepts and stuff like that, uh, but. Um, uh, uh, you know, with Osmus, it's not as obvious. I do. I have heard Osmus say over the years certain things about analytics, mm-hmm. and I know that ever since um, uh, Epler, Billy Epler, has taken over the Angels, that they've tried to infuse more of their decision making, their approach, their game planning with uh, with more analytics and more, you know, current research. Um, you know, the I do remember Socha being like, "Get that." Sh- you know, get that shit out of here. Like, we don't want that in the club. Like, that's too much information. Get the dorks out of here, that sort of deal. Yeah. And I know that Andrew Haney once pulled on my shirt and was like, can you tell me what spin rate was? What spin rate <laughs> is? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't have someone here that can tell you that? Um, so I know that there's been, some, like, uh, they've been trying to get out of the dark ages in Anaheim. And maybe they just saw with Osmus that he just wasn't going to be the one to do that. Interesting. Um, and also, Artie Moreno. I mean, Madden, Madden represents Madden represents Madden represents two new ways forward. If he is the guy, Madden represents uh, someone who's a player's manager who's going to uh, make them all be relaxed. So maybe Osmus is is uh, too strength too kind of uh, yeller or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Madden is also considered to be uh, someone who's up on the analytics. So that's those are the two options I have. I don't have any inside knowledge about what happened with Osmus. Great uh, retirement tour for Joe Madden, having to do the cold winters in Chicago for the last couple of years. And now he started in Tampa and now he's back down to LA potentially oh, to yeah. ride it out into the sunset. Yeah. So good for him. He's he, he knows how to end a career. You end it in Los Angeles. Um, Acuna. Yeah. Or San is, Diego. There's another one that, that, that's rumored in San Diego. <laughs> well, I, you got to look. Oh, either way. Their co owner coming out embarrassing their 2019 so i'm excited for what happens with aj prelo this this winter it's gonna be fun oh, yeah. more fireworks he's on the hot seat 
So, yeah. you know, AJ probably on the hot seat. I am 100% here for it because if we can get some more oh, BJ you know, Upton type stuff. stuff. Yes. Oh, God, he's going to do all those trades that he did when he first got Yes. <laughs> it's going to be fun covering this offseason for him, I think. Yeah, I am, you're right. I am excited for hot seat AJ Preller. I am here for it. Um, <laughs> he, he, arrived, he arrived, got the job, and like traded for Kimbrell, traded for Upton. It was great. He's, he's going to do, do something again, similar like this winter. Once I saw that co-owner statement, I'm like, oh, God, he's got the initiative from up top. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Number one farm system. All right, let's make some deals. Um, yeah. <laughs> Acuna, um, local legend here, against curveballs and sliders. Yeah. He hit 311 this year. He ranked ninth in the majors in batting average and fifth in weighted on base average. Um, his 14 home runs against curves and sliders led the majors. Did any of that surprise you this year? That a young player like him, where curveballs and sliders, generally speaking, start hurting players like Austin Riley, his teammate, um, did not affect Acuna. And in fact, when it's early in the count, he batted 500 against curves and sliders. What is that? You know, it actually does surprise me a little bit because he still has a fairly high strikeout rate. Um, you know, I would have, I would have expected that in this breaking ball heavy league, you know, this is the first year, the first couple of years that, uh, there's more sliders in the league than sinkers. Um, you know, and we see slider percentage go up and breaking ball percentage go up every year. So, uh, I would have expected to, with that high strikeout rate, that, that part of it was the breaking ball. So it's, it's cool to know that. And that gives me hope because I, I think, uh, I kind of look at um, at Acuna and Juan Soto as the two most special bats in you know baseball in terms of young young bats, and I kind of see them as being very different. And one approach reminds me Soto reminds me of Miguel Cabrera, and I know that one's lefty, one's a righty, but I get Miguel Cabrera vibes because he's so professional at the plate. It's so. He walks more than he strikes out. He has opposite field power. He can do whatever he wants, uh, and he's and he's just just a madman at the plate. Uh, Acuna reminds me of early Trout, and you know when Trout first came on, he could do everything physically, but he had that high strikeout rate, and he had you know the one you know the one thing that you know that you could that you could do to him, which was throw high fastballs. You could get Trout out with high fastballs. Uh, and then Trout went into the offseason and came back and, well, look, Trout can hit high fastballs now. You know, he couldn't, he didn't really have a great arm. So he went, now all of a sudden he's throwing 95. So, you know, uh, I, what remains to be seen for Acuna, I think, is that dedication to his craft. And I, I think it's there probably. I mean, just how special he is now. Uh, but I want to see that he can close those gaps and like in, 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 basically reduce the strikeout rate going forward and uh, go from being future Trout to being the Trout. I don't think we can get there until he um, learns how to run through those bases, even on pop-outs. I don't think uh, we can get there until <laughs> he starts taking the game a little dude, more seriously. Trout doesn't run out on every single one, dude. You don't want to blow a hammy out on a, on a non-play. Well, look, man. I, Robinson Cano. They all yelled at Robinson Cano to, to run more. Uh, so he runs more the next <laughs> one. He blows a hammy. Congratulations. Now you no longer have Robinson Cano. Good job. Mission accomplished. New York Mets edition. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Last thing, and then we'll go. 
Big three. The Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers. We haven't even really talked about the Dodgers because they just seem like an inevitability in the NL for me. Um, it, it It's very rare. The two clear best teams make the World Series. Do you think the Astros and the Dodgers end up making the World Series and the Astros winning it? Or do you think the Yankees have an outside shot? Or do you think the Dodgers end up finally getting over the hump in year three of this quest? You know, honestly, I really like the Twins and a lot of what they're doing. And so I could see the Dodgers being in a tie for third best mm. in the big leagues this year. Uh, and so I think that makes it awkward uh, that, you know, you kind of want to put the Dodgers in the world series because I think they're pretty much far and away better than the national league teams. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't help me figure out what's going to come out of the AL. So even though I think the Astros are the biggest favorite, they have to run through more of a gauntlet than the yep. Dodgers. But I picked the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series and the Astros winning. Um, you know, you can pick some surprises early on. I picked the Twins to beat the Yankees. Not necessarily because I think the Twins are that much better than the Yankees. I just think that there is going to be chaos and you have to make some chaotic picks. When you make picks, there's going to be, there's going to be chaos. Something's going to go badly, but I think by the, by the sort of end of it, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't so surprising that Boston was in uh, the, the thing. So I think if there is a Boston team that we're not thinking about, it's the twins of the Yankees. Uh, but I just don't see, I guess, unless the nationals pull this, the starter strategy, uh, I think the nationals uh, could surprise, but I don't see the Cardinals uh in the world series i just like i just other than clarity you know i, I don't know clarity martinez i think the pitching staff uh, it's kind of it's kind of mediocre i mean good but do you think they get through the braves no I, i've got the braves beating them yeah uh but the braves have a braves have do have an achilles heel which is the strikeout rate yeah uh i think they have the worst strikeout rate in the postseason Hmm. So, you know, they have to they have to put some balls in play where they haven't necessarily done that in the past. So uh, everybody in the NL has a question mark to me, even the Dodgers. Interesting. They're getting a little old at this point. Don't you think? I mean, <laughs> but I think that's what they're they, like, a little bit old. And they are getting a little old, but just the, their their rotation's not old. They're like their five in rotation yeah. is just so historically good that they just have so many options that I just they're old, but. It's going to be really hard to beat them in a seven game, in a five game series, seven game series. Just, I yeah. am, I'm not betting against the Dodgers in the NL. I'm betting against yeah, the, because the World Series. Their depth really helps them. The, the depth really helps them too because you know Kenta Maeda as like your fifth starter is is pretty good, but then he moves to the bullpen, you know, and he's better. Uh, so they're they're doing a lot of that. Where like Urias and 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 Maeda and some of these guys that. We're already pretty good at starters are going to make their bullpen even better. So, yeah, I think I agree. I think in the end, I just couldn't find a compelling enough reason to pick against chalk. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it's just, they, they got the NL MVP. Like, it's Cody Bellinger. Like, it, is that your MVP? Who are your NL and AL MVPs this year? Let me see if I have a vote. Um, do you have a vote? Do oh. not have a vote. Okay. I got, I voted on, uh, NL Cy and AL Roy. Um, uh, I think it's probably Trout. I think Bregman will win. 
Yeah. But I think Eileen Trout for my vote. Is it even really close for you? Or do you think it's just because he's the best player on the best team? I think it's fairly close. I mean, okay. all the all the different war numbers basically have them one or two. Bregman just went ahead, Trout, in baseball reference war. So war has them really close. Uh, but Trout is a better hitter, and we're better at measuring how good a hitter is than we are at measuring how good a defender is. Yeah. So since Trout is a better hitter, that's the way I uh, I sort of go when it comes to trying to decide this sort of thing. Uh, in the NL, uh, there's some virtual ties between Christian Yelich and, and Cody Ballinger in a, in a couple of different places. Um, and uh, Christian actually had better uh, per plate appearance numbers. He's just going to come up with 80 to 100 fewer plate appearances because of the injury. Uh, so, uh, you know, but war should account for that. War accounts for playing time and, and, and says that uh, they're basically a tie. But given the injury, I bet Ballinger wins, yeah. And Rendon is the, is my third. You know who is not in that conversation, and the most annoying thing in baseball is that player X, clearly not MVP, but he should be in the conversation. I hate that so much, and that's what Braves fans uh, have been doing with Freddie Freeman for the last let five me just years. Put, let me just put Ronald Acuna in the conversation. He's yeah, in the conversation. No, he's not. He's great. I love Ronald Acuna, <laughs> but he's just not. He's not He's not yet a top three player in, in, in uh, MLB. And I just, it's just harder to see that, I think, because he almost went 40-40, um, you know, and he has those gaudy run totals. And um, the game, I think his game itself makes it seem like he's already a top three player in the big yeah. leagues. But when I say, when I say he's Trout, he's not Trout yet. You know, he's, he's just the guy that I could see being Trout. He's not Trout yet. Because he still strikes out 26% of the time. Uh, in terms of, it's a weird thing. He got a lot of homers, but he didn't get a lot of doubles. So his slugging percentage, his isolated slugging percentage, is, they're lower than, than the stars. I mean, he's, his isolated slugging percentage, which is the slugging minus batting average, is almost 100 points lower than Cody Ballinger's. Hmm. So, these, these things are meaningful. Uh, the lack of doubles, they're meaningful. Uh, the strikeouts, it's meaningful. He's striking out, striking out 10% more. Uh, often than Cody Ballinger. So, um, you know, when you when you tally it all up, uh, he, he comes up short. But he has the tools to be Mike Trout. Like, if he comes next year and has a 22% strikeout rate uh, and, and uh, you know, a couple more doubles, uh, he'll, be, he'll be in the actual conversation for the National League MVP. Okay. I like it. You know, we got a bit less than an hour before the game starts and we get to see 25 different oh, yeah. leaders pop up for I gotta get to cooking dinner yeah there you go um is there anything we need to check out from you (laughs) this week on theathletic.com um yeah I had a fun thing about um the A's and we talked about uh slugging and and what they do there and so basically I looked at moneyball kind of to people to a lot of people represent on base percentage uh but there's been some recent research that suggests that slugging percentage is more important than on base percentage uh, and I looked at something that the A's are doing that suggests that they, that they know all about that. So the, a little bit about like a new money ball uh, for the A's. It was a, a fun story to write. Um, and that's the most recent one. I, right now I'm just about to email my editor that um, I may write a piece about Charlie Morton and the history of pitch design. Mm. Uh, if, uh, if the Rays win and if the A's win, 
I've got something up my sleeves with Marcus Simeon. I've been uh, talking to people about Marcus Simeon and talking to Marcus Simeon uh, all year. And um, if he's integral to their win, um, I have a, a pretty good story coming up. And you've also got my suggestion of why more teams should give up on young pitchers immediately and put them in the bullpen. <laughs> I may write about that. It's a good one. I like that. I like that. At least, you know, you could do the, 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 the transition year. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, don't say that you're giving up on it. Well, I mean, think of how you think you can be in the bullpen. Look- you can be in the bullpen in the major leagues right now. So yes. Help us. Think about how different <laughs> we would look at Sean Newcomb if he had just started from the bullpen and then got into the rotation after a couple of years. He'd be com- like, it's just guys like that you wonder about. I, I don't know. But that's a conversation for another day. I mean, he's very good in the bullpen. He is. I hope people realize that. Yes. But that's like, oh, we wasted so much time with putting him out there as a uh, number two potential guy. It's like he could have just been there we all along. Pretty good year as a starter. Yeah. It's fine, I guess. I, you know, I I feel like, yeah, people are too hard on on their stars sometimes. Yeah, I mean, everybody was talking about how bad Shane Green was. Man, Shane Green, right on right, is a top five reliever. My grandfather was not right in immediately. Once a, he blew save number two, he was texting me about him, and he was like, these new guys suck. And I was like, well, it's only been a couple starts. Like, out immediately. Dude just doesn't have it. Oh, and there was so much hate towards Luke Jackson, man. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, I, somebody, there was a Well, I understand the Luke Jackson lead, thing. And I wasn't, I was not calling him elite. I never called him elite. If anybody's listening to this and thinks I call him elite, I never called him elite. But I think he's a very good reliever. Uh, and I don't know why there's so much hate. So... I think he's going to be important. If they advance, like he's going to be integral to it. It's you have to watch like a week's worth of midsummer Luke Jackson to understand why you would not want Luke Jackson in your bullpen. Like I, I can't explain it. He he gives up little dribblers. Yes. You know, I think that, I think that certain people sit slider. He throws a lot of sliders and he even told me that Adam Jones sits slider on him. And I looked at the Adam Jones at bats and Adam Jones, hit like a little million hopper to the other way uh, through a hole in the infield. I don't know, man. That that doesn't scare me. It's just, it's not even scary. It's just annoying. He's an annoying reliever. (laughs) That's all it is. He's just annoying. All right. All right. Well, there's a lot of strikeouts. There's a lot of strikeouts and a couple of dribblers. I'll take the strikeout. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, him, Melanson, everybody. They're annoying. Like, I just, I'm annoyed by all of them. Well, I mean, you, you definitely, there are no uh, uh, sort of Ryan Presley types in that bullpen. There are no. no guys who strike out like 45% of the people they see and don't give up any home runs. That's true. They all have some flaws. But, exactly. Uh, they're good. They've been great some... the last couple of months, but they're annoying. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> in some, they're better than what you had before. That is correct. That is correct. Um, long live Aradis Vizcaino. Um, all right. You know, this has been great. It's always a pleasure talking baseball with you. Um, have fun this postseason. And uh, let's not make it a year before our la- our, our next podcast. That's, that's not. But, all right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Appreciate you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.